0: Time to go on a fishing, boating, and great outdoors adventure. Welcome to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are, right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating, and the great outdoors. Redmond, good morning to you. Good morning, mate. How are you? I'm okay, mate. I'm okay. My my wife got back yesterday from Europe because apparently. Well, your wife went. To, I didn't know she went to Europe. You told yes. me she was away. Yeah, she's away. She was in Europe. What was she doing? She went to a wedding, but like everyone else in, in Europe, Australia, your wife in Europe. went to a wedding in Europe. Yeah, talking about destination wedding. Ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> Can I ask whose wedding it was? To it, go to Europe, it was uh, a good friend of hers. It'd want to be anyway. Um. The point is, she's been away for 9, 10, 11, whatever it is, days. And I'm a bit tired. Uh, and it made me think. <laughs> big games of footy? No, no. Is that why you said big game of footy tonight? Against the Dons. Uh, make sure you're there. G-Mash Anyway. Anyway. It made me think. People would go, but they can't get seats. It should be at the G. But anyway. no, Thanks, thanks Caroline I
1: actually read that to her. Thanks, Caroline. I really appreciate Sorry, I keep interrupting
0: interrupt you. Sorry. It made me think. I love my children. I'm assuming you love yours. Sometimes, <laughs> and this is my point, <laughs> because my God, I, I, I've I've stooped to trying to reason with a four year old at two a.m. saying, "Flick, I need you here. I need you to to sleep for me." I'm like, "She's four. She's not listening to you, mate." No, she doesn't care. So I've, I've been. Um, Oh, I've been working hard for 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 ten days, Redmond. So I'm uh, I'm happy. My wife is back. Is it, do you get like extra pay or something? No, I've said I need I need fishing day. So we've got some Ooh. time next week, and I've said, mate, brownie point. And you know you know you, things are getting serious when you're calling your wife, mate. but I <laughs> legitimately did. I said, mate, I'm done. You can <laughs> <laughs> you can book this out, mate, because I am going fishing. <laughs> so you were trying to tell me that you generally were putting the kids to bed each night
1: by yourself? Three kids most nights. Aaron. My wife was away yeah, so for I didn't ten, ask, eleven days. So yeah. You're not listening to me. I am been, listening.
0: For
1: the- <laughs> was there any call ins, Patrick? What do you mean?
0: Well, I know your dad lives three steps away <laughs> and your mum. Your sister lives about eight steps away. <laughs> look, look, there was some there was some people that attended <laughs> at, at at different stages, but what I'm saying is at night, you know, I'm I'm the one there. And they're calling on me as the Patriarch. <laughs> oh, anyway, I've got, I've got some brownie points, mate, so we need to, we need to head out fishing because i tell you what, the local barrels have shown up, continue to show up, which is great to see. Yeah, well, I was just about to say, I, I, my kids don't wake up overnight. Well, not that I hear them anyway. You don't wake up. <laughs> the up. Me, I don't wake up overnight. This is a true story. Aaron and I were talking. Well, I was complaining to Aaron during the week, and Aaron said to me, around uh, Thursday night, your wife has footy yep. training. Netball training. Nipple training, sorry. sorry. Yep. And and for two hours she's away, you she's you, you get the call in for the... <laughs> I literally make one of the kids stay at
1: one of the parents' house because I can't do two of them. I can't. I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry, and this is not a a sex thing in the slightest, but females are built and bred so much more differently than males, in my opinion. How they handle it... I have so many. How they handle it is phenomenal. I give them all the credit in the world because I've got so many friends that are in the same boat as me. Uh, Most of the most or young kids, Patrick, and they're the males, us. We go to, we tend tend to go to work
0: and they are, they are unbelievable at home, females. They are unbelievable. I thought you were going to say they're bred for one purpose, but I'm glad we steered clear of that. Two, I get hungry as well. (laughs) Let's get into a bit of 4x4 news. And this is making news. and and found it really interesting (laughs) during the week reading about it. Uh, But American pickup sales in Australia are absolutely flying. Uh, Pickups over $100,000, or Utes as we call them in Australia, is up a whopping 65.5%. This is the midway point of 2023, 65% up. Australians have taken delivery of over 5,500 of these vehicles, and this is clearly... Um, locally charged by the ram 1500 um, which car expert uh, reports is just over 3600 and for context redmond the nissan navara Mm sold 3470 so this is outselling this U that's over a hundred thousand dollars is outselling the nissan navara which is a great vehicle um and you add into that the Chevrolet Silverado with over 1,000 sales. And then we're seeing um, quite clearly um, the, the other touch point is the Jeep Gladiator. But we're going to see, obviously, uh, Ford coming to this market in a more substantial way. And then that'll be followed very soon by the Toyota Tundra, uh, which we see you know going from strength to strength.
1: It's so funny because I obviously got the RAM in I think roughly February, and how much you pay for it? I reckon. Who's listening? 100, 100. Depends who's listening. <laughs> Probably I reckon one hundred and ten to one hundred and fifteen. I reckon I paid
0: for it. If Car is not listening, <laughs> eighty. <laughs> I reckon about 110, 115 and gotcha. that's and i when they of, say, a couple of extras on it, like when they tires s- etc. Yeah, when like I look at it up, look look at look it up now spit that out um, you know it says from 98,000 so it's never yeah. costing you from 98,000 because you're well, plus on road you is put it, the time security.
1: you put it on road I got tinted windows in mine and then they ring you on the that the, the day that they're putting the tyres on I'm like oh Aaron we recommend you should put this coating on your windows too there's another two grand you're like cool just chuck it on and uh, basically my wife Kari said to me she goes to me ever since I've had the car she's like Every person's got a Ram. She goes. I'm just seen. She never seen them before. With her, like just oblivious to cars, she doesn't care. Yeah. But now she's like, there's so many rams on the road, and it's
0: noticeable. Like when you actually start looking for them, yes, yep. they are everywhere. They're nearly like a ranger. Everyone's got one. Well, it's funny you mentioned ranger. So ranger with the four x four Ute sales uh, in Australia, January to June for this year, Ford Ranger have topped out at twenty three thousand six hundred. Toyota Hilux in second, and the Isuzu D Max. Selling really well at ten thousand, so the two class leaders quite clearly, um, you know, pretty much double anything else. Other Ford Ranger and the Toyota Hilux. They are real interesting numbers. You've just and, sent me, and then it's really interesting to see the rest of the the industry where it's at and the decline of Ram. It's quite astonishing to think they outsell Navara, they outsell uh, Volkswagen Amarok. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Jeep Gladiator is a smaller market player, and then you've obviously got the the Ram twenty five hundred, which you're looking at a far more significant. You know, price point in the Ram, $3,500.
1: Yeah, when you go up to those two and a half, they really priced jacks up massively. And not only that, they are a big truck. Like, I went and... Not that I was buying one, but when I went and test rode my car and had a look at what I was doing, I jumped in the Ram, the bigger one. They are big. Like, my car's big. They are next level big until you actually see it next to the Ram. It's like... It's a very big car. And they also they start to change into the diesel as well, the big year goal as well.
0: Yeah, I think the other uh, really important uh, important part to this is the Mitsubishi, the Triton, mm-hmm. which sits in, I think it's in fifth. And we're seeing... They're uh, an affordable, it's an affordable ute. Yeah, well, i ask this because obviously you've got an outlander, uh, but they've confirmed uh, their new sixth generation Triton ute, uh, which is scheduled for global... Uh, reveal later this month and they've spoken about the newly developed ladder frame chassis and engine and they've spoken about clean diesel so that'll be interesting to see uh, the updates that they've made on that their car because they sell quite well and the other added bonus obviously uh, which you've spoken about at length is simply the uh, the warranty thing you get with Mitsubishi, which it's is quite crazy. extraordinary.
1: That's the reason we bought the car, our car. Yeah, it's the reason. And a lot of people are like that. They're, the only problem with the Triton, I haven't been in a new one, but I've got a couple of mates that have got the older ones. Getting up the Oaks Big Hills in Eden and whatnot, they struggle to pull a, a bigger boat, a slightly yeah, okay. bigger boat. Yep. Really, I know they're three and a half ton. Even like Gibbs, who's Gibbsy, my best mate, has got one. He works at a marine shop and he, he pulls uh, boats with his, and he struggles at times, those mm-hmm. bigger boats, like my North Bank and whatnot up hills, it starts to struggle. So I don't know about, I haven't been in the
0: latest one, I haven't been, but they are only a few years old. Which is why we constantly talk, when we talk boating and you talk about adding the right outboard and matching the power um, to weight ratio with your hull, it's always better to start with, depending on your price point obviously, starting with heavier horsepower because you don't always have to use it, but if you you need to use it, you've got it. Versus maxing out and then having your motor working at a higher outboard rate. Last question for you on this. You've got, obviously, your Ford Ranger up there with
1: 23,000. And then we can, we're not comparing, but comparing it to the Ram as such with the sales. Like, it's a big difference. It's twenty thousand, twenty three. It's literally 20,000 more cars they're selling, right? Do you reckon that the Ram and those bigger vehicles are starting to climb up? Because... If you were to get a brand new Ford Ranger now, the latest model, yep. and you get a few bits of bling on it, and I know Lee Rayner just got 80s, one, I reckon. Plus. Nearly yeah. 90 grand Lee's paid for this. There's obviously
0: the Platinum that's come out there, so that you've got the Wildtrak, which traditionally had been the top spec model. Yep. Now there is the Platinum, which... It's, it's actually called Platinum, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right.
1: Yeah, yep. Yep. Um, and they're looking... Lee, I know Lee was like nearly 90 grand. 87,000. Well, like so you say, say 85 to 90 grand by the time you put... Bit of things on the towing. Every terrain, bit. all terrain, exactly. Say ninety grand then, and then you look at my car, which is one hundred and ten, which is that was with a few specs too. You twenty thousand dollars when you're spending that much, is is that why you reckon people are starting to choose maybe the bigger vehicles because they get a the bit of extra po power and whatnot? Because that's generally what
0: you're buying. I still see it as you're buying predominantly for towing, because yep. if you compare the vehicles to sit in, and I've sat in both yours and I've yep. got a ranger Uh, ranger the ranger is a far better car to drive in but it is just you can't even compare the size like the ram is huge it's very comfy especially for long trips and towing and it just doesn't feel like it's towing anything no it doesn't versus you know you're towing a three ton boat in the ranger it is just different in that respect what will be interesting is to see the uptake of tundra and the uptake of the ford 150 when it when, where is that at, the 150? Well, we we I, reported was, on this months ago. But there was cars that arrived. I, I read it. it was, But I've never heard anything since they arrived. And they'd been up, I forget the name of the, unless you can remember the Desert Rally uh, a few weeks ab- no. back. I forget the name. But anyway, they had a right-hand drive version. Yeah, uh, I, I remember talking about The, it, yeah. the Raptor along. And that had been uh, slated for a July release, June-July type release. Now, we're in June-July now. And we're not there, clearly. So, um, you know, is it that process of um, the changeover from left-hand drive to right? Has that taken longer than will anticipation? Because it was meant to release An- in June, July,
1: which I know that well. the first ones were meant to arrive in June, July, which I think they did. I just haven't
0: heard anything on them. No, either. right. So okay. it'll be, in, yeah, I think we're still waiting. Probably a couple of weeks or Obviously, something. Ranger at 23,000, you know, will their own 150s eat into that? I doubt it because I think what well, clearly they're trying to to get into that market of the the Ram fifteen hundred, which you know Ram just saw this before anyone else. Yeah. They saw the Australian market going better than anyone else. Hey, um, there's been a fair bit happening in the fishing world throughout the week. We've got um, a fascinating show coming your way this morning. We've got Lee Rayner on. Who there is a brim classic this week that Lee is at. So we're going to chat to him about that Redmond. And there was a hundred and was it a hundred and twenty centimeter. 133. thirty three
1: centimeter. if You are on the same page as me. Yeah, King the kingfish. The kingfish. Yeah, that's coming up in the report. Don't give it away. So looking forward to that uh, I, as well. Can I ask you one thing in the news before you go into the next part? Yes, far away. Have you seen these killer whales lately? What's been going on around the world? <laughs> no, seriously. It's, it's. I have. It's but scary me. as hell. Enlighten me. They are sinking boats. <laughs> Literally, one of them ripped the keel off a yacht in Spain, and the boat was sinking. And the, the the whales are just looking at them like we're going to play with you guys for hours. Here. It's a bit
0: like when uh, I mean,
1: it's genuine. Like that's not made up either. How
0: many times have you seen killer whales in the boat?
1: I've seen uh, them a couple of times. Never, never never seen him. In my, never had seen him in my life, other than when I was with Gary Rowan and Kane. Yep, we were out last summer, and since then I've seen him three times. It's a bit like that episode of The
0: Simpsons where the dolphins take over the world.
1: These killer whales could. No, and like I had a mate fishing in Apollo Bay a few weeks ago and they're trawling for these barrel tuna. And usually when you see killer whales, when there's barrels, usually it means the
0: barrels are gone. I was going to so, say, sure, so, yeah. there's no chance you're going to no, catch a barrel. They are out of there. They are yeah. long gone. Like we've Nothing had... likes killer whales. No,
1: no. Well, I like... I did until I started seeing them going down with taking boats down. But <laughs> They reckoned that these killer whales come up in their spread behind them, so they were trolling and It was like dolphins. They were looking at the lures sort of thing. And then why they're still moving at 10 kilometres an hour, they just started circling them while they were moving. So they were trawling still, and they just like coming yes. around. They were looking at them, turning, and they just kept going up around the front of the boat, back around the back, up around the front – up around the back and the boys were like what's going on here like because they're big it sounds dumb but they are big like when you you see a dolphin right and you're like yeah it's cool it's a dolphin it's pretty big dolphin's big eight foot these things are massive like when you see the shoulders on them they're coming up right next to the boat it's just like holy crap like that makes my boat look small like they are so big and they are intimidating but they are cool but they're literally sinking boats right around the world right now. And it's not happening once, Patrick. It's, <laughs> it's happened a mo- It's happened multiple times. And it's been so frequent lately. It's all in the news.
0: Need right. to send them over to Russia or something. Do you reckon they're well, controlled, the controlled killer whales? Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> anyway, as we said, huge show. You're listening to Real Adventures. Lee Raynat joins us uh, a little later in the show to discuss the Brim Classic that he's visiting this week. Uh, Plus the report, we go right around the country and find out what's biting. There's been some terrific captures in our beautiful country uh, so far this week. Patrick Dangerfield, Aaron Habgood, this is Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating, and the great outdoors. If you want to join in the conversation, then make sure you head to our Real Adventures socials at Real Adventures Show on Facebook and Instagram. Let's get into the whip around where we find out what's biting in your part of the country, Redmond. We head first off to New South Wales. Kiama, the Yellowfin, went absolutely nuts during the week. As many fish as you... As you want, Redmond. Yellowfin tuna. Tell Patrick. me about this. Yellowfin tuna went nuts. As many as you want,
1: 20 to 45 kilo, hard bodies, uh, lures, skirted lures, and stick baits. Like, they just were everywhere. Literally, they're reckoned as many as you want for a couple of days.
0: Crazy Jeez, fishing. Not bad. They're a beautiful fish. They are a beautiful fish. And they're, they're, they're a sort of bucket list fish if you haven't. If you live in that sort of area, you can obviously get them on. Not oh, on that, call but they're they're one of those fish that you look at and you go if you're a half decent fisherman you want to catch one of big those yellow, during you your want lives. a big yellow.
1: anything yeah. I, reckon, I reckon 80 plus the, on yeah the 80 thing. plus yeah. yeah if you get an 80 plus kill those sickles will roll all the way back to the tail and you know when the sickles pull back to the tail there the which uh, well, I, haven't is got those, one. I think which is those part. big yellow Yeah, on the fin. so the bluefin don't have them obviously but the yep. uh, back of the black they run off the back of the uh, blue fin, uh, the, Sorry, the yellow, yellow fin tuna right around, and they're massive sickles that come out the side of them, like two big fins that come out, and they can literally get right to the tail and they glow like no other. It's like a yellow light at night. But you know what else, what else was cool? Far away. You mentioned it at the start of the show. Oh, yes, that's right. Massive kingfish caught lamb based off B- uh, Port Stevens. How big was it? Just a small metre, 33. <laughs> Guess what it was caught on, Patrick? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Chunk a of I chicken breast. You're kidding me. So what I find when using, I actually use chicken quite a lot. I used it in the river the other day catching trevally with the young fella. It fresh works. chicken, obviously. Ah, uh, just from just from the dally. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. from the dally. Got tenderloins cut and cut it just, into strips. Just cut it into little bits. I don't know how this gentleman did it, but what I find with the kingfish is when you're chasing them off the beach, live chickens they work better than chicken. <laughs> <pig and fresh. laughs> We always talk about live bait. Well, so,
0: yes.
2: No, you, you,
1: yeah, you, you mutton, are right. Mutton, some GTs eat mutton birds. No,
0: I'd I, I like it. Go with the live chicken. Sounds good anyway. But uh, if you chicken- are representing Peter, please <laughs> please don't join in the conversation. We're not interested in it. <laughs> oh, this is our last show. Uh, basically, chicken breast is actually a great bait
1: to catch everything. Yeah, okay. Travelli, uh, you know what the thing is? I'm, I'm presuming you're allowed to put it in the water, chicken. Because everyone uses it. Like you go down to any local ramp around me and around the country that are chasing off piers, salmon and Trevally and uh, all those sort of river species, flatties, they all love chicken.
0: We might have to get Travis on from Vic Fisheries next week just to fill us in if. Uh... I'm just not allowed to still use <laughs> it. I've been using
1: it for the, since I was a kid and I not trouble yet.
0: <laughs> What's uh, that? Squid. That's yeah. squid, mate. Don't worry about Why that. Why does it look like So they, 133 centimeter fish, landed off the beach, Port Stevens on chicken. That's not bad. Yeah, it's tin arse in my opinion but that's it's good good work. Anything else around that burmie
1: region like obviously snapper at Monteo still there was yep. a few fish being caught there was also some yellowfin that were caught at burmie as well just off the Monty islands or out wide of it but yes. they were caught out wide. So yeah there's a lot of really good fishing on the southeast coast and they've had a much better run of weather yeah, than compared what we to what have. We have. We've, yeah. had, we've been we're on we've had like 3 days in of Good weather, we've probably had three days in legit five to six weeks. Yeah, okay, that's how bad it's It's not even like I'm talking 10 to 15 knots where it's like we can go, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it has been, been 20 to I think you got to South Channel the other day, 90 kilometers at the South Channel, which is just ridiculous. on Saturday last week. You played footy in that, I think. We did, was that the Sunday? I can't remember.
0: <laughs> Let's head further north, uh, Queensland, fishing offshore, southeast Queensland. There's been uh, a great range of winter fish. Uh, snapper to five kilos, kingfish over a meter, and some great flatties as well. Redmond,
1: it is, and southeast Queensland is one of those uh, places where those that snapper run into the top of New South Wales as well. They're a different sort of snapper to ours. Got the, the knobby, knobby, knobby sort of nose, yeah. yeah, and they love plastics yeah. and vibes. They love all that sort of, and micro jigs. They love all that stuff. So, bit of a different fish in a way, yeah, but. They are they they're sought after like right along the the southeast co- coast of Queensland into New South Wales, so they're one of the species that six up to seven kilos so they they're, they're yeah. like good fish at the moment five to seven kilos, so they're really good fish and then obviously, like I said, the kingfish too there's a few of those kicking about as well so and we love
0: that let's head uh further west the snapper off Perth Metro in ten meters of water at the moment, fishing into the evening has been the most successful period. And prawns and squid have been the go to bait. Yeah, 10 metres of water
1: that's been fishing very, very good. So, what, I'm, what that means is if you're over and fish nighttime, land based in those areas around the Metro, Perth, yep. you're going to get snapper too. So, if you're a land based guy, because 10 metres isn't far offshore. No, exactly right. And yep. there's been plenty of fish as that sun starts to go down in the afternoon. Uh, Bunbury has been red hot too. Uh, pink snapper, so snapper again. Baldies, and just plenty more. It's been fishing so well, Bunbury, right now. So, plenty of options through that area too.
0: Uh, heading to South Australia, Metro Whiting uh, on fire. Again, our uh, our resident guru. Yep. Even though you, you could say he's on a, uh, a rival network on uh, 5AA. I was on his
1: show the other week and he literally said that. He goes, I have rival on SEN. <laughs> it's literally what he
0: said. So we'll give it back to him wouldn't be anywhere without us, Ned. Anyway. Ned McHenry, uh, <laughs> Ned McHenry caught Ned, some beautiful
1: metro whiting. Ned
0: reports that there's been very good whiting <laughs> off.
1: He hit it out uh, during the week at Perth. Uh, sorry, Adelaide Metro. And Why do they call it Adelaide Metro over there? Well, metropolitan. So I, I, know you, you what, go, I know what it is. You but go like, from... We don't say Melbourne Metro here. Even like Perth Metro. They, that's how they talk about their
0: fishing. Genuinely. It's weird. I is it because we've got I, Port Phillip Bay? I can't speak for Ned. He's a strange cat. He's from your part of Victoria, Aaron. So,
1: yeah, he's a local boy. He
0: is. But anyway, beautiful, uh, beautiful whiting he caught. Got baglim captured, which was great to see. And down our uh, Rob's. End of the world too. I was going to say, salmon off Christie's Beach have been really good, uh, and metal lures working the best for those. Drop Uh, into Christie's Beach and grab yourself a North Bank too. Is that a cheeky cheeky plug for Rob there? Well, it could be, but you're (laughs) going to be waiting it. I tell you, yeah, don't order. You'll be waiting too long. You're going to (laughs) be waiting a while. Uh, Let's head across to the Apple Isle, Tasmania. There's been some huge brim caught in the Derwent this week. Now stop right there. All right, I'm. I know that. I know. I know
1: our punters can't see this right now, but I'm going to show you this, and I'm going to and I'm going to have a look at this lure they getting them on. Right, have a look at that. Now I'm going to describe it the best I can. Okay. Have you seen that before? It. it I'll try it's and a, describe it to our. You go for it,
0: listeners. It looks like a muscle Yep. That's had a treble put through it. Yes. That's like what it that's is. That's all it looks like. It's a muscle shell.
1: Oh, it, that's what it is. It is. I, I don't know if it's actually a muscle. It's. It's. Not actually a muscle shell it's a it's a hard replica it's a, yeah, it's a replica, and people wow. are using these religiously to catch brim now, my question to you on the back of this muscle replica lure that they're using, yeah. how the hell do you, you work a muscle
0: <laughs> <laughs> well it's a bit like do you um, like open, open and close <laughs> it's a bit like there's a bit of um there's always been this thing around fishing for trout and and using uh replicate eggs as. You know, you fly and whether it's like trout eggs. Yeah. Yeah. And whether it's um, kosher or not, I don't think necessarily the muscle sits in this. uh, They're catching
1: so many fish on this. That's amazing. If you ask me to use that, I just laugh.
0: The other one, (laughs) uh, our great mate, Paul Worsling, has been getting some great trumpeters as well, Reb. So, and
1: you're probably going to look stupid here. Where's Paul catching them? Where does he live again over there? Well, he lives in Mount. Um Tassie <laughs> he lives in Mount Martha but he's in Tassie for half the year these days
0: just near Eaglehawk neck the great man Is he near Eaglehawk Yeah
1: Okay well he's getting a lot of trumpeter <laughs> and the, I wrote it, I wrote it down and I I always, he's told me multiple
0: times and I always forget what it's called you clearly listen a lot um but there's
1: good trumpeter there
0: <laughs> let's get to Victoria because this is the one that uh, I know you've been waiting for the weather has been horrendous but that hasn't stopped uh, there's been some good trout and some good salmon fishing in uh, the lakes, Redmond. Yeah, down, down west of Victoria,
1: southwest lakes have been fishing greatly. Rainer was down during the week and uh, we'll have him on very soon to give us a little wrap on how he went down there. But that's been fishing great. Flatlining Tassie Devils has been working a treat and I'm sure Rainer would have had his downrigger working too. This is the report that I really liked. I think you'll be very interested in this. Blue Rock Lake fishing. Fishing sunrise to midday during the week, a couple of days the have always spent. Chasing Australian bass. Love that. They landed 60 plus of them. Mate, they're bloody aggressive fish. On vibes between 30 to 35 centimetres. And that's only, that's sort of like just east of Blue Rock Lakes only. It's like Tarelgan Way. Yeah, it's Out that far. way. I reckon it's probably yeah, not that far from
0: Melbourne at all. The other one are barrels out of Port Phillip Bay heads. What can you tell us about that? A lot of work. Yeah, okay. A lot of work. There's fish there. There were reports of some captures close yep. in, so they've been few and Yeah, there's a few fish around closer
1: too, so in that shallow water, that 30 metres, there's a few fish out wide, but yeah, and white bait, it's hard work. Uh, I know a couple of mates got some, I had a look during the week too. It's just hard work, like I said to you last week. It's hard work. The fish are there, not in massive numbers, but they're in good numbers. They're not like Port Mac numbers where you mark 500 fish at once yeah, on you, your sounder, yeah, yeah. but it's it's very good, it's very good to it's close to home, costly, fuel, Yeah. time, Day, everything like that When, but if you want to put the time in like I said last week that's the best tip I can give you
0: Righto that wraps the whip around we find out what's been biting in your part of the world we're going to have uh, a quick couple of questions as we head to our Real Adventures socials club and you can join in the conversation head to our Real Adventures social pages on at Real Adventures show on Instagram and of Twitter and the first question is from Aaron Habgood because <laughs> you asked me this during the week
1: Yes, it is. It's uh, Gold Coast sacked the big fella Stewie Jew.
0: Yes, start of the week on
1: uh, when was it Monday? I think it was Tuesday. Tuesday. Having thro- having been through this a few times, Pat. Yeah. What responsibilities do you feel as being that player? Or a well, player? the playing a group. Yeah, group,
0: yeah, you do feel a responsibility. It's a really good question. Uh, Ordinary. Well, you feel like you've failed mm. because failed someone, him. yeah, someone's lost their job, uh, and there'll be plenty of players that would not get along with Stewie, and there'll be plenty of players that will be devastated. It's like any playing group. Um, but you definitely feel a sense of responsibility, especially when it's, you know, the season's still going. And it's not like there's a, only a few weeks to go. Like, the season is, is still very much alive for pretty much 15 teams within the competition. But no doubt, it's a really challenging time as a player. I've experienced it a few times. One is a really young player under Neil Craig. Um, when Neil uh, stepped away, and the other was under Bretton Sanderson when when Sando was sacked, uh, I think it was 2014, and I was an older player then, so I'm I'm 24, I think, at that stage. But there's a huge amount of guilt you feel because you go over to this person's house, you know, you you build a really strong relationship with them, and uh, and all of a sudden, the thing that they've always dreamt of doing and being involved in ends, and the thing that we are pretty poor at in our industries, is there's, there's not too many um like he'll, he'll get a job no doubt as a, as a coach but there's not too many senior coaching jobs that mm. come once you you know you get that opportunity so really disappointing to see but yeah you, you do is, definitely feel a sense of guilt as is well.
1: the afl so i'm not going to mention names here but i've got mates that have businesses that are real that struggle to sack a person it's hard to sack someone it's in any other industry, other industry
0: seems like the AFL just goes, see you later, have a nice day, you're done. Well, this has changed over the years. So when, you know, when, let's, let's go back 10 years. Uh, the length of the contract was the length of the payout. Now, that's changed over the last few years. So what happens now is depending on the seniority of the senior coach, if you're an inexperienced coach, then you're going to have clauses in your contract where it might only be a three-month or a six-month payout it will never be a 12-month payout anymore, mm. unless you're a coach that has been poached from one end of the country to the other, and they've done the club's done everything they can yeah. to get you in. Then you're going to have a bulletproof contract, but um, plenty, vast majority now, there'd be a very short payout period. So, say if it's three months or even six months, like that's it's taking you to the end of the year, it's not affecting the club's soft cap the following season, yeah, yep. meaning they don't have to pay the the tax, and they can, you know, pay another coach. You know, the the rumour mill will be Damien Harbick. They can pay Damien Harbick a million dollars a year or $1.2 million a year, whatever it might be. You reckon so he's going sort of there? That's how it works. He'll go there, won't he? Well, yeah, I suppose there's a, it was interesting his comments after being out of the, the game for a little bit of the fact that he missed it. For two weeks. Well, but I sort of get that. He sort of, like, moved on,
1: like, sort of... He's like married someone's best friend. Is that sort of like how it looks? Like you're with a girl and you've just gone back with her best mate?
0: Uh, in, in a sense of leaving Richmond and then being interested Richmond in coaching He says he
1: wants a break and then he's in a rather, another relationship three weeks later. But I sort of get it though. He'd been at that
0: club for yeah. such a long period of time. Couldn't do anymore. Wins three grand finals and, and, you know, sometimes it is it is right for a change. He's a phenomenal coach. Um, but like anything, it is disappointing to see someone lose their job, but this is a ruthless industry. Oh, it continues to be. Yeah. And this, you know, this won't be the biggest story of the year. There's always these stories that drop within the competition. And um, it's why we love it. It's why we're so passionate about it. But, you know, it's it's a challenging environment. Um, that's taken up everything, Redmond. So, that's I, right. selfishly, your one question has taken up all of our social club. Um, if you do want to join in the conversation and... Aaron doesn't hijack next week's segment. Uh, Make sure you do it on our Real Adventures socials. Plenty more Real Adventures coming up after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood.
1: Welcome back to Real Adventures, and it's now time for all aboard. And our special guest this morning is none other than Lee Rayner, one of Australia's best fishermen. Good morning, Lee. How are you, mate? Gave you a nice intro there. Yeah, I know, it's full of lies. Uh, g'day, mate, how you been? You been good? Yeah, I've been really good. I'd be better if this wind would
2: stop for the past two
1: months. It looks better for the next week uh, at this stage, <laughs> so I reckon weekend into the next week looks nice. You'll be, uh, you'll be doing up. some fishing, I'm sure.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely, mate. It is nice having that. It feels like spring, Aaron. Like, is it, it just feels like spring, you know, the past week. We've had those that warmer weather. Yeah, in
1: the what wasn't that chill in the air a couple of days was it? Yeah, yeah, like it's so good, and
2: and they're saying that you know that they said we're going to come into this extreme El Nino, and they did say a while ago that come, you know, middle to end of July, we're not even sort of there yet, but I suppose we are. They said it's going to stop raining, and you know it's going to become dry. Certainly, sort of seemed like that the last few days.
1: Not that the farmers are wishing on it, but I uh, I can't wait to be honest.
2: (laughs) I can't wait to have a
1: hot dry summer because we haven't had one for a long time, have we?
2: Oh, we haven't, and it's going to be a really interesting thing, mate. That the the fishing will change, and I think it will get better. I think you'll see unbelievable fishing through the estuaries because also there's all those Gippsland estuaries. They're full of micro prawns at the moment, which they are every year at this time of year. But the last however many years we have these floods and it blows them all out into the ocean. Whereas if we don't get the floods, all the estuaries will be full of prawns. The fishing will be unbelievable. But and I'd be interested on your take on this, Aaron. Will hot water, like even just sun-warmed ocean water and hot water, change our summer bluefin fishery. Does it get too hot for them? Like, I don't know. Mm, Good question. Uh, But either way, it'll be good for kings.
1: Well, in the peak of summer in February, I reckon that's when they're at their best, our summer runner fish, outside the Pawflip Bay Heads. I'd be interested. I actually don't know. The kingfish should go well. They should fire up. Kings will love it. Yep. Kings will love it. Don't know about, yeah, don't know. it would be interesting to see what happens this summer. And you mentioned Gippsland before, and we're going to get into a little bit of talking about Gippsland in a couple of minutes, but uh, we'll go the complete opposite. We'll go down to the southwest of Victoria where it's a little bit colder and you headed down there during the week and you got some reasonable weather, but you headed down to, I think, Bull and Mary, didn't you? And you spent a night down there, which allowed you to fish afternoon and in the next morning. How'd you go? Yeah, it was good, mate. It
2: was Look, it wasn't easy fishing, Aaron, but it uh, there, there was sort of, the weather was okay. It was windy and stuff like that, but it, it actually wasn't that wonderful weather that you and I always get when we go there, where it's raining sideways <laughs> and blowing forty knots. It was, it was cloudy and only blowing twenty five knots, and caught a few fish, but you know I had to work for them. Yeah. Um, but those those lakes, both Parambit and Bullamerey, they will see some unbelievable fishing over the next short period. I believe there's a lot of big fish in there that, that when they fire up, it's going to be pretty wild. So, but I got, I got um what i get, i got chinook salmon rainbow trout tiger trout and brown trout while i was there i got a brown about two kilos one about one and a half and then some nice tigers and some chinooks and actually one of the rainbows i got was a nice one it was probably it was probably that sort of kilo and a half size fat as a football and yeah so it was it was good but i couldn't and and i suppose there in fishing we're always trying to crack a pattern aren't we like whether it's you know, fishing for gummies that they're eating this bait or they're sitting in this depth of water or whatever it is that we're doing, you're always trying to work out that pattern of what the fish are doing. And on these trout, I just could not work out a pattern. One fish would be on a deep diver, the next one would be on a tassie, one would be on a downrigger, one would be on a flat line. There was just no pattern, It was, and that was sort of a bit frustrating, but I was still catching a few fish.
1: Those Chinooks that you mentioned before, you and I fished them last year and we got some good ones, and you said to me... Yep. Uh, at the start of the season, we're going to see some big chinooks caught, which we did. We did see some big ones caught. Yep. yeah. Now they've gone a little bit quieter. Do you reckon they're going to fire up in the next
2: couple of months or next yep, month? I think so. I think so. And I think, I think you're a genuine chance of seeing fish come out of those lakes that are fifteen plus pounds mm. this year. Like there was fish caught. Oh, there was fish caught eight odd months ago, mate, that were thirteen pounds.
1: Yeah, and those fish. things
2: are putting on. Those things are put on a pound a month. So, like you're talking, you're talking the potential for huge fish, and some of the fish I marked Aaron were like proper scary big yeah. fish. Yeah. you're just like, if you hook that, you are going to know all about it because they're they're huge.
1: And what I know, you said it was all over the all over the shop with your bites and your bite times and whatnot. What, was yep. you, what did you notice? Was there anything that, if someone was heading down there, say, in the next week, what would you recommend them using? Because you know, you're going there blind like you sort of were. What would you recommend yep. someone else going to give them a head start?
2: I would, I would, the heads up on what I found was that out in the middle of the lake, so 45, 50 metres of water, there is tonnes of fish stacked up from 20 to 30 metres down, right? And you pull them down riggers and everything through them and getting really bugger all. What's interesting that even out there in the very middle of the lake, you run a flat line being a Tassie Devil on the surface or a Tassie Devil with just straight off the rod tip. And generally, I like a hot pink one. And that caught a lot of fish. And the other one was just a small sort of diver, just a Rapala or a Diver double clutch. Just both of those flat lined off the rod tip in the middle of the lake were far more productive than anything that I had down deep. So don't just think you've got to hug the edges for these fish like normal trout fishing have a roam around out through the open water. And it's it's literally more just roaming. But if you get one or two fish on one run going from north to south, turn around and run that same line again because it's amazing The fish tend to sit in – feeding fish will sit in certain areas where there's a bit of a wind-driven current or or a feed lane or something like that, but the fish will be in set areas even out in the open water. For those dirty bait fishers like myself –
1: what uh? Yep. Was there any guys fishing with bait? Because when you and I were there last, there was a few yep. people anchored up with bait. Was there anyone getting any fish with bait or anything?
2: Yep. Yeah, they certainly were. Mate. A lot of guys there, they'll anchor up, you know, um, and they'll burly with mashed up pilchards or um, stuff like that. And then they just float down pilchard fillets or white bait and just let them sink down through the water column. And they, they do very well. But even the bank fishing up there at this time of year is really good. And, and there was a few people around the lake just fishing with bait off the bank, fishing with either live minnows or even a dead white bait suspended under a float, and one on the bottom, you mix it up a bit, um, and you, you're a genuine chance of huge fish just off the bank in that, those two lakes, that's for sure.
1: Now, we'll leave the trout alone for a minute, and we're going to head to the other side. We're going to go to the Gippsland Way, and you've got the Twin Rivers this weekend. Now, I'm going to get you to tell us a fair bit more information about, there, about it. You'll be down there. Uh, we're going to get into the fishing side of it, but tell us what's going on down there first.
2: So Twin Rivers Brim Classic is on again. It's on every year in July and it is, it's a great comp. It's been run for, for many, many years and it's a great comp because it's really family orientated. You can be a once-a-year fisher or you can be a top-end lure fishing guru um, and, it, and it covers everybody and you will see everyone from beginner to expert in the comp. Lots of kids involved. doesn't matter if you've got a boat or your land based um it's a catch and release comp so you catch your fish you measure it you take a photo of it you upload the photo on the my my um, um my fish track app and then that gets all uploaded and then you go back in the afternoon all your data's there and the the winner is like heaviest brim biggest bag there's so many lucky daughter prizes there's a boat giveaway there's hobie kayaks there's there's so many prizes, so um, and I'm I'm MCing it, so everyone will have to sit there and listen to my endless dribble each night as we go through all the proceedings. I hope they all get a beer or two to listen to your rubbish. But
1: uh, tell us where Twin Rivers actually is.
2: Well, you've got your, the Twin Rivers. You've got you've actually got three rivers down there: the Nicholson, the Tambo, and the Mitchell. Yep. Um, so the first night though is all at the Nicholson River Hotel. Um, so that's where all the briefing is, and stuff like that. So, But then everyone just spreads out and does their thing. And, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a great sort of family event. You can take it as seriously as you want or as, take it as casually as you want. I'm, bring, I'm taking the two girls with me, Poppy and Mia, and we're going to go for a weekend of dirty bait fishing, Aaron. Oh, I like it. I like it. So Excellent. do I, mate. I'm, I'm excited. I've re-spooled the reels in mono, and I've, got, I've ordered my live crab, sandworm. I've got fresh local prawn. And I've got soft shells, so I'm pretty excited. Well, that was going to be the
1: next question. I'm going to sneak one more in before I ask you that. Are you taking the boat or is it a bank sort of thing?
2: I'm going to take the boat yep. just so that we can move around, but I'd be, I'd be happy to fish off the bank. I had some wild fishing off the, off the bank there, and it's so much fun. You literally pull up and you're fishing five metres from your car. Yeah, um, that's, that's cool. So I'm going to take the boat just so we can, I suppose, move around if we need to, but my, my overall plan is to use my electronics, find a few fish in an area. Um, use my side scan and my active target if I need find some fish anchor up early and just sit it out and hopefully get the kids into a bunch of brim
1: you said before there's going to be some pros there there's going to be some amateurs there and all in between if you are an amateur because the pros know everything so if you are an amateur uh, lure fishing bait fishing take us through a couple of techniques that you'd be using before we have to let you go
2: oh mate if I'm bait fishing you want to mix your baits up the brim sometimes get a bit fussy they'll you know want one thing or another just like any fish but I would definitely be getting a softer bait, sandworm, peel prawn, things like that. But then also, you want a hard bait. Like if you can get some local cut crab or some spider crab, that is your ticket most times to a really big fish. So, if you've got four rods out, if you've got two with sandworm, two with prawn, or two with crab, sorry, when that crab rod goes off, get excited because they're always the bigger fish, that's for sure. So, mix it up, be patient, but also don't be afraid to move. If you haven't caught a fish after an hour or two, make a move, go somewhere else. You don't often have to go far. Use your sounder if you've got a boat. You'll often just mark the fish sitting in the middle of the river or just along a bank and just fish those areas and be patient. Now, lure fishing, what are you using in those sort of rivers? Ooh, in those rivers, again I'd probably, look if the fish are in the middle of the river, I'd be using things like vibes, um, little metal blades or probably just a small grub like a Z-Man two and a half inch grub is always really popular. If you're fishing around structure, um, things like um, soft plastics are obviously good they will eat hard bodies um, anything like that you want, it, you want to mix it up but if you find fish in the middle of the river using little blades can be really good fishing. just slowly pop them along the bottom um, the other one that's worth having too is like the the crab or the muscle vibe and if you're fishing around rocky points or around jetties and pylons and things, those those cranter crabs and mussel vibes, they catch a lot of fish and a lot of big fish. If you are
1: in the Gippsland region or even in the Melbourne region, because it's not too far away, make sure you head to the Twin Rivers this weekend. The Brim Classic is on. Lee Rayner will be there MC, So make sure you go say good day to him, ask him for a few tips. He'll help you catch those Brim because he's going to dirty bait fish, which I love. That's great to hear because I'll be on his yeah, back about after good. a while now. So, so um, excited. <laughs> thanks very much, Lee, for joining us on Real Adventures this morning. Thanks, mate, as always. That was all aboard. You're listening to Real Adventures. We'll see you after the break.
0: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. We are in the home stretch now, uh, taking you into the rest of the weekend. It's time for Red's Tip. Yeah, and I really look after all my fishing gear, Pat, so this is where this tip comes from. This, and it's, okay, I'm going to butt in right now. Aaron does not look after his gear. Aaron borrowed, stole, took uh, four or five uh, Tiagra 50s, like two not or Tiagra three. Not Tiagra 50s. Two I don't or use three, two of them. Two or three or four years ago, and I have not seen them since. I have Actually, that's a lie. I've seen them since, and they look like they've been under the sea for the last four years. You can borrow them back if you need them. I promise you. <laughs> Out- outrageous. <laughs> uh, back to Lewis.
1: No. Oh, what on my review? Our tip is is lures, <laughs> is uh, lure mesh bags. Right now, the reason for it is what I've just I've found in a range you know, the Atomic range, and what they are they're like a little basket that have holes in it. Where do you find Atomic? I'm so I, online. Anaconda. I'm sure you'll find them online or any tackle store. You could yep. uh, be able to find these. And what what they are is I put them in the boat now, so whenever I lure fish. And like chasing anything that involves lures, but I'm more talking referring to tuna fishing. Yes, you take your lure off and you chuck it down the side of the boat or under the bait board, whatnot, and they get stuck there for the day and they dry out. And you might go out the next day or a couple of days later or in a two months time, like me, and take them out and the hooks are all rusted and gone.
0: You start to see that surface rust. (laughs) What
1: do with this? Is leave that little leave that uh, mesh basket bag in the boat. You chuck your lure in there as you finished with it. Chuck it in there. That one they stay together right out though. You, can you hose them, them off with. Easily. You hose them. You don't need to take them back out.
0: Yeah, like so that.
1: I've got my. I've only got five or six lures I use for the barrels, and they fit in this bag. And I just, I literally just, as I'm cleaning the boat, just hose it down, and then I just hang it up in the shed on a hook, and then the next time I just grab that bag and out it goes, and it drip dries, and it doesn't hold moisture because it's not an enclosed bag, so it's a moisture bag, and it looks after. And so if you're fishing for brim, or if you're doing what Lee was doing during the week, and you're down chasing all these trout, and you go through eight ten different heart bodies and they're thirty
2: 35
0: bucks for a stupid Mate, trout they, lure. They, they forty bucks, they, fifty bucks. They literally are Mate, they are the most it's expensive It's a joke. It's like, a joke. I, I I appreciate uh brim fishing, love it, love trout fishing. But the cost. I do I, I do find it difficult to believe that you pay thirty five bucks for a lure versus, you know, something similar for a barrel. Yeah. You get a diving
1: hard body with all the wiring components that go to hold the hook on in the middle, and it's like, oh, here's it's 30 bucks yet a little hard body with trebles that are half the size of your pinky. Anyway, So where do we find this? They will sit really well in a... All those hard bodies that you use trout fishing will sit so good in your smash bag and quickly... I know that's fresh water still out there, but if you go brim fishing in salt, it'll work. Uh, you find Atomic, the Atomic range. So jump on the Atomic website and have a look or head to your tackle stores, uh, local tackle stores, I'm sure. They'll have, if not the same product, but something similar so you can... Look after your lures too. So now time for the flying gaff, Patrick, and you're going to ruin one of my
0: favourite oh. childhood
1: fish and chip shop specials.
0: <laughs> Go on, destroy everyone's life. Hey, Literally. Okay, I was reading a news.com.au uh, article over uh, during the week, uh, and this the headline was, you'll never eat seafood sticks again after seeing these pictures. And it was uh, showing uh, a... Or an Australian, a global. Um, Thailand, <laughs> it was in Thailand. <laughs> it was in Thailand, was it? But I'm saying it's a uh, it's a staple of the fish and chippery. Um, but seafood sticks and how they are made. Are I a, I grew up with them being called crab
1: sticks. Yeah, and that's exactly yeah. what they are in yeah. my sea local fish and stick. chip shop. Yep.
0: Yep. But a revolting video has surfaced showing exactly how these seafood treats are made. The surimi crab sticks. Uh, it is just. Horrible if you how they constructed. If you continue to read the article, the sludgy paste that yeah is just oh, and then it, they basically it, just paint it with a tiny bit of red. That's the only thing that makes it look like it's Oh, That's crab. It, it's not. It's like back in the day when you thought you know, you know, when those rumors were going around with McDonald's that oh, the um, the soft serve was pig fat, which of course it wasn't. But I tell you what, this. This is about as ugly as it gets. It'd be no different to watching hot dogs, but seafood side of things. I reckon there's eels in it. There's minimal crab. Ice cream cubes dumped in there along the way with salt and vinegar oil, (laughs) whilst there is no real crab to be found. Now, we may get real crab in Australia at times, but I tell you what, in Thailand, there was none. So the flying eel. gaff. This it said we- eel in it. Yeah, the flying gaff this week <laughs> heads uh, to the so called crab sticks. Could in you eat Thailand. another one? No, not after 100%. That. I could eat one. Even- <laughs> <laughs> it tastes unreal. <laughs> Even in Australia, where I'm sure ours are fine. Uh, thanks for your coming this morning on Real Adventures. We hope you enjoy the show. We'll do it all, <laughs> we'll do it all again next week. See you then.